welcome to the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Uh, Mike Ndafo, Louis Rabot, Dan Illman, who I guess is like an honorary <laughs> host of the show now. Just drops in, no big deal. Actually, that's not a bad idea. We should just give him like permanent access to the solid link we're using. Solid stipend of $2 And he can week. just pop in whenever he triple wants. His, uh, triple his DRF income. Works for me, man. I mean, you may get some viewers. <laughs> that's how you do that. Folks. I just wish we could do video half as good as you do. There it so, is. I mean, I, I don't want to put in the work to do videos as half as well as he does. I think that's really the key here is the lack of effort. That's true. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah. Check. Yeah, definitely yeah. on my case. Yeah. How's the world, man? Dan, we haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Feeling good. Uh, Haskell, boy, some exciting stuff at Mammoth last weekend. I talked to uh, about four or five people connected with Mage. Every one of them said he wasn't going to win. The whole track knew he wasn't going to win, and he almost won. And he almost won. Yeah. Right. Right. More this, but what about Tappet Trice? Like that. Tappet Trice, there are problems there. He needs to go about two miles. He really has no gear whatsoever. He's just this one gear plodding horse. You know, we used to say in horse racing, you go 12s, you click off 12s, 12 second eighths. He goes 13 second eighths. That's not going to win major races. He's the kind of horse you got to ride every step of the way. He really has no idea what he was doing. And it was funny, sitting up in the press box after the race, I asked several colleagues, did he even get a call? Was he even in the race? Because he was as not much of a non-entity in a major race as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. He, re- he needed to run the 14 furlonger at Saratoga today is what he needed. He really did. Yeah. I, I think he had a shot in that field, although the winner today won by a mile. Right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just plodding along, keep him in second place and see what happens. I don't know. I Something. I, you're right, though. He is a definite plotter. He needs to be put away and hopefully grow up a little bit. And I'm sure Todd will have him back as a four-year-old at Gulfstream. And I think their expectations are a lot lower now, where instead of being a major grade one horse, they're hoping to knock out a grade two or a grade three before they send him the stud with that pedigree. Well, as Zach tries to get the uh, replay up, we'll we'll, uh, we'll continue to just talk about your overall impressions now of the three-year-old class. I mean... Dan should know. This time every year, you hate the three-year-old class. Well, I usually hate the three-year-old class earlier. (laughs) This one, though, Dan, I think he's justified in a little bit of uh, what are we doing here. Well, I I think he's justified, and I think all year we've been questioning the quality of the three-year-old class. The the problem is, who are the older horses? I mean, you have Cody's Wish. There's no guarantee Cody's Wish is going to go a mile and a quarter in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Right now, he's a very good miler. He's a very good mile and and a 16th, maybe mile and an eighth horse. Is he going to go a mile and a quarter? I don't know. We'll see defunded on Saturday in the San Diego handicap. I don't think he's scaring anybody in this division right now. Taba has dropped off the face of the earth. I'm not terrified of art collector. Uh, is anyone really scared of rattle and roll? I mean, let's try to find a nice older horse. As for these three-year-olds, maybe you could argue there's some upside, but the Jim Dandy is going to tell a lot because – for a two-year-old champion, a horse that would have been the favorite in the Kentucky Derby and a horse that ran second in the Belmont, uh, Forte needs to win the Jim Dandy to firmly reestablish himself on top of this division or else this whole thing's ready to be burnt down. You talk about going long enough. I'm a little concerned a mile and an eighth isn't enough for Forte to, to run down. Is there? I mean, we'll get to that race later, but I just – I don't know what to do with him. Uh, the Belmont, I, it set up so perfectly for him, and there just wasn't anything there. Well, I mean, it did set up for him, but at the end of the day, he was running a mile and a half off a 10-week layoff. 
And at some point that had to take some of the starch out of him. The fact that he was still running on at the end of that race, I think shows the horse has ability. You know, the horse has chops and he deserves all of the praise he's gotten throughout his career. But at the end of the day, he still got beat. And I don't know why they're putting blinkers on this horse. I mean, maybe he I lost. I, I just think that's a terrible sign from the Pletcher barn. You think it's an overreaction? It's a little bit of a, it's a, uh, almost a panic move. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if it's a panic move. Todd's numbers aren't very good with this sort of move over the years. Uh, it, to me, if they want to say, okay, he lost focus in the Belmont, fine. Uh, I, I think he already had a built-in excuse going into the race, though. He had the layoff. Okay, if he won, it would have been a Herculean effort to win off the layoff. He ran really well. Why the blinkers? And again, he could easily win the Jim Dandy. He's the best horse in the race. But I'm not sure I'd be lining up to bet him at something to five. Did it catch you off? Seven to five right now. Yeah, seven to five. Does he, did it catch you off guard that Brad Cox has three runners in this race? And I, I had forgotten that Brad Cox had the third and fourth place finishers in the Derby this year. Uh, it, it, it's kind of funny because everyone was talking about Brad Cox in March and April. He had all of them in the preps, right? They were all going to be Brad Cox train runners. And then after the Derby, I mean, Angel of Empire ran fine in the Derby. But then they just fell off the face of the earth. And Angel of Empire got one of those weird blinkers on deals in the Belmont where everyone was saying, oh, he trains in blinkers. It's not that big a deal, blah, blah, blah. Angel of Empire was really keyed up with the blinkers. And I wonder if that cost him going a mile and a half. A wide trip didn't help him either. I hope they ride him a little bit more conservatively in the Jim Dandy, although this time it doesn't seem like there's a race with any kind of pace. Yeah, and I don't think necessarily that Forte has to come from behind. I think Forte's shown that he can – He can. he's had races where he ran from up front. It's not, he's not – He's at least done it closer. in stalking position yeah. before. Sure. I agree. Yeah. yeah, right. So, no, that'll be an interesting race on Friday. Let's go back, though, to Monmouth Park here, Zach. Uh, which race do you have pulled up this here, buddy? It is the Haskell. All right, cool. So let's go ahead. We'll look at that Haskell that we were um, that we were talking about here on the final turn. Challenge and confronted by Go Rocket Ride with a quarter mile left to go, and here comes the Derby winner out wider in the center of the racetrack. Mage is now taking the lead up on the outside, but Go Rocket Ride is in for the fight to the inside. Arabian Knight is back there in third. It's Go Rocket Ride who's up in front by a length and a half. Go Rocket Ride. Chris Griffin, very excitable. Yes. Excitable guy. How about that? Go Rocket um, Ride. Go Rocket Ride. I think that was one when we talked last week. Mike was off last week, Zach, uh, that I, I I said this is this felt like a wide open field. There was I don't think they should go Rocket Ride for no reason. Uh, were you a little surprised there, uh, Dan, just because when I saw Mage at the top of that turn, I thought, oh, here we go. We got the Derby winner. Here he comes. Oh, no, I, I think that a lot of folks, though, Major was going to go by it. Just every one I talked to, again, said he's 90% fit. He's just as fit as before the Florida Derby. We're not expecting to win. We want to see a good run. Let him finish up late and go to the Travers. They got everything they wanted. But before we analyze the Haskell, we have to analyze the betting of the Haskell. Mm. What the heck was going on there? How is Go Rocket Ride three times the price of that Brad Cox horse that won the prep in New Jersey? I actually liked that horse a little bit, but what did he accomplish? At least Go Rocket Ride showed some ability out in Southern California, had the connections, had the upside, had the tactical speed, had the rail to get a good uh, trip. The, the betting was odd. Arabian Night at one point was three to five. Yeah, it was which one, yeah. I understand the Baffert love at Monmouth, but this is a horse that hasn't run in eight months, and his signature win came on a sloppy track against a terrible field. 
and especially when you consider what Mage's number was on the auction. exactly Mage right. was basically you know the same price as, as was, was was the same price as the Brad Cox trained horse four to one it was silly betting. It, yeah, was, it was an odd one for sure. It was for sure odd. What did that exact end up paying? Uh, the exact paid. I, I'll tell you what. It was a good. It was a um, sixty-four dollars on the exact. Yeah, I mean so everything paid high. great. Is that two on uh, two dollars? On two uh, on a uh, on a dollar. On a dollar, yeah, sixty-four yeah. to one. There you go. There uh, it is. Yeah, I mean like that was it was that kind of day in Monmouth. Like, well, the pick four. I mean, every there was all double digits, yes. right? All double Just, digits. And they, Dan, what do you understand the laws? Maybe it's a law thing or the rules that they didn't have an all stakes pick five at Monmouth on the weekend. Um, odd. I'm not sure if that's a racing commission thing. I'm not sure if that's a track thing. I'm not sure if that's a thing where they figured, heck, um, it's going to be too short because, uh, search results is supposed to win at one to five. Uh, we're expecting Arabian night or mage to win at a short price. I don't know. Okay. That was interesting. Uh, hey, Zach, let's go ahead. We'll go to, uh, we'll go to the therapist here, uh, in the United Nations. One of my favorite races every year, um, on the turf. Uh, you know what's interesting is uh, I is this not is this no longer a grade one Dan just with the field well, it, it hasn't been a great it hasn't been a grade one in ten years yeah, I, mean, but- I, I appreciate and the folks at Monmouth appreciate you saying this is one of your favorite races of the year I guess you like thirty claimers going a mile and a half <laughs> I do um, uh, I watch yeah. a lot of <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> therapist. Therapist is a very nice horse. He's earned a million dollars early in his career. I wouldn't have taken him in a step past seven eighths of a mile. Maker claims him for 50. He's winning graded stakes races at a mile and a half. Uh, many of these horses, you know, are, are, are not that great. Therapist got a great trip and a great ride. He got it done. Yay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and play the end of that one. Uh, we see the, uh, the favorite here, Red Knight, uh, doing what Red Knight does, creating a difficult trip and not being able to close it. Side. Limited liability is down toward the rail. Needs a spot. Therapist is moving three wide. Red Knight begins his bid. It's a four wide charge. He's still four lengths behind, but he's coming on with Cat Nip to catch as they come to the top of the stretch in the United Nations. It's Cat Nip on top of the furlong to run. Down the outside, trying to come on as Therapist in second. Foreign relations in between horses. Red Knight with a lot of work to do. Therapist has taken the lead. Therapist in front, close to home. Therapist and Javier Castellano have won the United Nations. So, Dan, you talked about the betting in the Haskell. I thought the same thing about Therapist when he went off at double digits. I was walking down to the... uh... Going down to the winner's circle, I was covering the race for DRF, and a fan stopped me and asked me who I liked. And I said, I like Therapist. And I looked at the odds board, and I, I thought it was the wrong race. I couldn't understand how he was 12 to 1. I thought he'd be 7 to 2 or 4 to 1. He had just won a graded stakes race two starts back. His last race wasn't bad at all. The betting was weird. The horse that they landed on, Catnip, was a horse that had never gone a distance of ground before. It was rather odd. He, he was certainly in good form and he ran just a fine race, but there was no guarantee that he would stay the distance. And these kind of races, it's who's going to stay on the longest. And therapist, this is what he wants to do now. So did you hammer it? Oh, I, I, I did very well in that race. <laughs> well, good. Um, there you go. Well, let's, love uh, to hear it. So uh, I thought um, a fun thing that we could do, and I'm putting Mike on the spot here. Sure. Uh, do you have the DRFs for this weekend? I, I do. do. I mean, I got to pull them up. It is there a way for us to put one on the screen? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because Dan Elman's from the DRF, and he is going to be our presenter uh, for the second time. He's the first two-time uh, horse racing one hundred and one 
uh, presenter on our show. All of this, of course, is presented by our friends at the Maryland uh, Horse Breeders Association. So join them on Saturday, October 14th. It's the 38th uh, rendition of the Jim McKay Maryland Million, a showcase of all the finest of Maryland's. Is that the range you went up there? Uh, visit uh, MarylandMillion.com to stay updated on contenders with the weekly Maryland Million Watch. Learn about sponsorship opportunities, purchase one of those ever-popular club tables, and more. We will see you at the Million in October there at Laurel Park. Uh, I'm sure Dan will be down there for that day. It's always That turns into an awesome day of racing every year. Um, it, it's it really is a lot of fun. Well, it's a great day of racing. You get some really popular horses on the local circuit, too. Horses that the folks down in the Mid-Atlantic area are used to seeing, and they are here now running for some big purses. It's 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 really a great show. Usually get some nice fields and, again, some popular horses. There you go. All, All right. right. So Johnny P., Johnny Piazic joins us here from uh, said Maryland Horse Breeders Association. Who? Uh, Johnny P. Who? Johnny P. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so what we're going to do now is do uh, – uh, horse racing 101 with the form here from our friends over at DRF and uh, and so I just uh, I, I, I sent it in a message to Dan and I said look if you saw that form for the first time you would go what is this hodgepodge of stuff uh, all of us sort of take for granted this sort of stuff so what have you pulled up here oh this uh, is race like... two <laughs> hold on now... there we go um, and so lots of information on here. Six. If you like puzzles, people, I have good news. Uh, that's what horse racing really is, is a giant puzzle that you have to figure out and then lose money on. And so uh, let's go to Street Loot there. We'll kind of zoom in a little bit. Dan, when you look at the form for the first time, uh, when you're looking at races like you like you did like in your prep for tonight's show, we'll pretend that you were prepping for our show, not for other ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> Usually, Louis, it's more of a it's more of a doctoral course I give. You know, it's more of a you know, an analytical course here. But but now I guess we're doing this for 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 first time fans. They're picking up Postal a form. Looks like hieroglyph, hieroglyphs. I understand. Okay. I think the first thing we need to show the folks is uh, the race goes to the swift more often than not. So take a look at the bold number. You'll see an 84 for street loot. Those are the buyer speed figures. The higher the number, the faster the performance. Um, what I would do is take a quick scan of the horses in the race and try to immediately eliminate horses that are way too slow to win. And I think if you do that, you might be able to whittle down two or three right away. Mm. And the second thing I would do is then I would look at the running style of the horses you see the 84 buyer speed figure right next to it is a two six which is post position two in a uh, six horse field then you see a two which is where he was at the exact start of the race but look at the first quarter how does this horse run is this horse like to go on the lead does this horse like to come from behind and try to find horses that might benefit from a, a a good pace scenario let's say a horse that shows all ones is in a race with five horses that show fives or sixes the horse with the ones is probably going to have an advantage because this horse is not going to face any sort of pressure and conversely if you have a horse that is on the lead when there are two or three in the race try to pick a horse with competitive speed figures that's coming from out of it that would sort of be two things i would look for and the third would be Take a look at the distance stats and the track stats. You see LRL in the top right uh, distance. Uh, these will tell you how these horses have performed in the past at the track over the trip. And uh, for a beginner, I think those three things will keep you going. Yeah, I think that sounds like three very good things to look at. Um, I, I now, like, when I see the track there, Dan, is that on the specific surface, like dirt yes. or turf? Or is that it just is for the track the in general? That is the dirt. Laurel, uh, that is just for Laurel on the dirt. Um, 
And how would someone know that this race is on the dirt? Well, it doesn't say turf. And when, <laughs> but when you go to the top header, race yeah. number eight, it says six and a half furlongs. Right next to it, it would say turf. Or it would say tapita or all weather or wherever the poly track would be uh, next to the race. And in the racing form, you can go and see where these horses have raced in the past. Like Street Loot has run on the turf once. We probably would have to scroll down to show uh, where it is, if it's even still on the page. Uh, in your formulator past performances, you get lifetime PPs for a long plug. But next to the six furlong or the distance sort of, uh, which is what? The one, two, three, fourth column to the left, right next to it would be a T for turf. There you go. All right, let me ask you a couple of questions because you mentioned first uh, the Equibase speed figure. And then I, I think there's one other the thing. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. Sorry, the buyer speed <laughs> figure. Equibase. I'm sorry, buyer, buyer. buyer. Yeah. I know. The gold standard, please. Yeah. Yes. And then that's but that's also important for people to know that there are uh, several different of uh, these speed figures with the DRF is the buyer. And that is the gold standard when it comes to speed figures. Uh, when you see speed figures that are like, are you looking for the consistency of the speed figure? Are, are you going just the past three to five races? Are you looking like like we're now halfway through the year? So would you only look at his speed figures for 2023? Tell me what. Are you that's, that's a really good question, and I'm surprised you asked it. Um, what I'm <laughs> saying is that I would like to go back to the horse's last win okay. on the page, and then I would like to move up from there. I think the horse's last win might be its sort of representative best performance. So we go back to Street Loop. What do we see? A win at Delaware. 77 buyer, and now we move up. Has the horse improved? Has the horse uh, regressed? Has the horse stayed steady? I think at that point, we can sort of get a gauge of what street loot really is. Now, you might get fooled. A horse like Begin, the number two, if we scroll down a little bit there, you're going to see a gigantic speed figure two uh, or four starts back. And it's a race that just sort of comes out of nowhere. And you look and you see, hey, it's on a wet track. Good, which is on the third column to the left. Maybe this horse likes a wet track. And then you look two races above that over a sloppy track. The last win was a, what is a 92 over a sloppy track. So maybe you, you can create circumstances that horses might benefit from uh, race conditions, race tracks, et cetera. Um, but I, that's what I like to do. I like to go back to the last win, work my way up and, try to figure out how did the horse earn the number did he earn it over a wet track did he earn it when he had an easy lead all these things which might be a little bit too much inside baseball for a newcomer no the other thing that i think that uh i think is an easy thing for a newcomer maybe to understand is a horse that is either dropping or going up in class uh explain that a little bit well nowadays there are so many conditions out there that it's very very hard to actually know which horses are going up and down in class. And the great thing about the buyer speed figures is it sort of takes class out of the equation and that a horse that runs a, a 92 in a first level allowance race uh, should be better than a horse that's been running 88 in graded stakes races. But let's look at Begin. Look at the last company line. It says Bed O' Roses G2. That's the name of the stakes race at Belmont. It was a grade two. Today, if we go back to the header of this race, You'll note that this is not a graded stakes. It's the Alma North, but it's not the grade two or grade three Alma North. And it's sort of a pyramid uh, in, uh, in racing, a class pyramid. G1 is the top. G2 is second. G3, then sort of the listed stakes races like the Garland of Roses that Begin ran in three starts back. And then we go down to allowance races, which are horses that are sort of trying to get into the stakes class. Then we have the claimers, horses that you or I could buy if we so wanted to. 
uh, and then there are million sources that have never won. But the way to look it up and down, that's kind of an interesting. I would love to have that sort of pyramid in the form or online where people can sort of take a quick glance at it, especially first timers. Yeah, no, uh, good stuff. I do agree with that. Uh, we, can, we can create it. Oh, we can also create it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Again, MarylandMillion.com, October 14th, 38th uh, rendition of that Jim McKay Maryland Million. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, going to be a great day of racing down there at Laurel. And I will go ahead because on this show once a month, we talk about a library. John Piasek, tell people about a library. Yes, it's the Maryland Horse Library and Education Center located in Rice's Town, about 20 minutes or so, um, northwest of Pimlico. In, a, in, in the heart of Maryland Horse Country, visit MarylandHorse.com slash library. Keep, keep up to date on all of our events, what's um, new, new on the shelves. Just published our library catalog recently, so if you're looking for um, any specific title, you can see that there. Coming up soon, we have the second installment of our Bender Educational Series at 5.30, co-sponsored by the University of Maryland in, in which a different equine topic is um, uh, uh, discussed every few weeks. And if you can't make it live, those are always posted on YouTube a few days afterwards. So be sure to check that out. And then on August 17th, we're having an author talk by Mark Schrager, who recently wrote a book about the first Derby and Aristides. It's called... The first um, uh, Kentucky Derby, that'll be August 17th at 4 o'clock. Then August 28th, Fran Burns from the Maryland State Fair is um, going to be by to discuss Timonium and the history of racing at the Maryland State Fair. So if you're in the area, lots of good stuff. If you're not in the area, hope you don't get too much FOMO. It's all happening at the Maryland Horse Library. Timonium, by the way, you get a... You get a paused video. Is that what we're offering? Say, like, if you go to Timodium, you get to see the horse racing happy hour on yeah, well, pause. I mean, well, oh, Dan's got something to add, I think. Oh, okay. You get you get kettle corn and tape delay. There you go. Listen, <laughs> let, we'll stick with that uh, eighth race, the Alma North, uh, the hundred thousand dollar eighth race at uh, at Laurel. And uh, since we already started handicapping this a little bit, Dan, tell us about who's going to really win this race. I can tell you two horses that aren't going to win this race. Street Loot and Princess Kokachin. Mm. And the reason they're not going to win this race is because they're not running. And I talked to Jerry Rod earlier this morning, and he's just not happy about these rules, running horses without Lasix, especially in a heat wave, and he's scratching both of them out. So um, he said the owners wanted to run. He talked them out of it. So now we've taken this down a little bit. I want a price. I like response time. A horse that has some races in the back and who John and I've talked about in the past because she wears this piece of equipment that I usually don't like. It's called a blowout patch on the inside of her left hock. And it looks like, you know, she hits herself a little bit. I've never really seen a horse succeed with those sort of uh, pieces of equipment. But response times won with it before. Her last race wasn't as bad as it looked. She missed the break. She rushed up to push Princess Kokachin. This time around, uh, I think she's going to let the others do the dirty work. Uh, I think she at a price, and she's a giant price on the morning line. She won't go up anywhere near that price. Uh, I think she's worth a shot. And then you got Gunning in this race, who's uh, Mage's older sister. And I think this horse has a shot if she gets in for uh, Kenny McPhee. Yeah, John, who do you like here? Well, there was a two-second stretch in between when Dan said, I don't like street loot, and they're not running, where I was like, wow, you know, I, I didn't think Princess Cokeson had a shot, but I was curious as to what your take on street loot was. Well, there you go. So I did like street loot a little bit, um, but obviously that changes things up 
a little bit. And that also changes um, the pace quite a bit because Princess Kokachin was a major pace factor in this field. I did not think that she'd go six and a half furlongs um, unless she was riding in a golf cart and she was going to take a lot of money. And now that changes up, um, things up a little bit. And I think it makes um, Begin's job a lot easier as Princess Kokachin was going to press it from the outside. Now she's going to have things a little bit easier on the front end. Um, did get caught up in a, in a pace duel last out in the better roses and backed up. That was against much better horses than these. However, it is going third off the layoff and huge first off the layoff. Two starts back at Belmont. And I'm not too worried about her not being on Lasix as, as a she race well without Lasix. And her final start of 2022 came in second in the Garland of Roses. And Aqueduct. Also, think number seven Dreamster is worth looking into. Um, also, at a bit of, 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 of a price, ten to one on 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 the morning line, based in Florida. This one ran a career top figure, at least on the Brisbane scale, last time out. It's had a great trip off the pace, kicked away to win by four and a half lengths. She's lightly raced, has good tactical speed, should improve a bit second off the layoff. Has been working pretty well. Think she's worth using at, at good odds. I, I agree with Dan that if you're going to price chase in a race, it's going to be this one with those defections, especially. I like the outside horse here, Moody Woman. Uh, I think that she's got at least a very, very good chance of hitting the board at very worst. And so I think you're after defections, probably six to one on this horse, Dan, do you think? Um, and uh, just a horse that is just a Laurel specialist, a couple of wins this year already, ran off the screen at Pimlico. If we do get some precipitation here, the horse is capable of running over a wet track as well. And so I think I'll look outside uh, at, at Moody Woman. Horse's price should be fine. I mean, Begin's the horse to catch and beat, as John mentioned. Uh, the, the quality of competition she faced last time out, she was in against a Breeders' Cup winner in Goodnight Olive, and now she might be lone speed. And if it's a wet track, it obviously helps her chances. But I'm with you, Louie. Let, let's, let's find some prices in here. All right, we'll move on to race now. We'll stay on the dirt at Laurel, and we'll do another sprint. This is the Frank J. De Frances. Memorial Dash. <laughs> a right. lot of Francis in there. Frank and yeah. Francis. How about Frank that? Frank and Francis. I like that. Uh, six furlongs. Uh, historian John Piazza, who was Frank J. to Francis? He pushes Laurel Park in the mid-1980s. Didn't own the track very long, but while he did, he really restored the track to a place of significance at the time. It, it, it was kind of run down. It was kind of falling apart. He really invested a lot of money into its infrastructure, into its post structure. And in fact, at the time, um, Laurel, Pimlico, and Bowie um, were all owned by different people. He was pretty instrumental in bringing all the tracks under one ownership. Of course, Bowie made Rest in Power, currently owned by nobody. But of course, Pimlico and Laurel still under joint ownership, which I think is a lot better for um, tracks in um, in each state to be owned by one person. I think it would have done, done, done a lot of good in Florida, for example, but, but um, I digress. And when he died in 1989, the track inaugurated the uh, Francis Dash, the next year, and the first ever running was won by a Maryland vet, Northern Wolf. All right, there oh. you go. So you own the track for a short time, you get a short race. <laughs> right. If he had lasted, you know, you know a few years longer, could have been a two-turn race. I like that. No, that's a good And, and synthesis is two to one when I think Lightning Larry is a lot better than synthesis, Dan. I think Lightning Larry is a lot better than synthesis, especially at six furlongs. And synthesis is this kind of 
you know, big, robust horse who just seems better to me at six and a half and seven. He needs a lot of pace help in order to win this race. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets it with one to where Craig is and Sir Wellington likely to provide the pace. Uh, personally, I don't have a lot of holes in Lightning Larry. I thought his last race was very good. He went after Sir Wellington when that horse set a, a really moderate pace and he just went right by him. The key to this race is which wonder where Craig is will we get? Yep. Will we get the good one? Will we get the one that sometimes shows up and goes, blah, let price be your guide? How about you, John? Is there anybody kind of off the board that you like here? Um, I will say, first of all, just to go back to um, the Alma North for a second, I should realize something was up when the odds were finalized um, this morning and there were no jockeys on either Jerry or post. I think that should have been a clue to me. Um, I agree. I mean, I think Lightning Larry is, is going to be very tough, and he he really hasn't done anything wrong all year. Showed a um, two different dimensions in his last two starts. In the Mister Prospector, came from off a very fast pace and won going away. Then in in the Alapoca's run, he sat a, a bit closer to the lead off a fairly slow pace. Opening quarter was only twenty two and four fifth seconds. Fought with Sir Wellington, who he'll see here. And got by to win by a length and a half with a career best figure on the Brisnet scale. So Wellington also in great form. He's won a lot of big figures between Delaware Park and Oakland Park. And Kevin Gomez, who has been riding at Delaware full time this meet and is on an absolute heater. He's on something like nine of his last 14 or, or uh, 15 mounts. It's coming down for this mount. So I think that's a pretty encouraging sign. I will absolutely fade wonder where Craig is in this spot. I think he's, he's a bit washed. He was all out to win um, his season debut. He, he lost always in a hurry um, um, to cap his 2022 season. And no respect to always in a hurry, a fun local sprinter, but one of Craig is, um, um, should have beaten him pretty easily. Then in, in uh, Maryland sprint, I mean, he really had no chance to be straight, no chase. Nobody did, but he just completely stopped late, lost by 10 lines, pretty dull effort. Um, I mean, Brittany Russell is on such a key to this meet who, who horses can't be totally thrown out, but he's going to take, take, take a lot of money because of his back class and because he's trained by Brittany Russell. I think he's almost unbettable from a win, um, from a win point of view, and he, he's going to make everyone else's odds a lot better. I wanted to ask too, because if people are unfamiliar with Laurel or maybe with, you know, horses on this part of the country, Dan, uh, is there a, is do hit horses if, if like a lightning Larry wins at Monmouth wins at Delaware? Is he likely to like the track at Laurel, like the surface? Um, at times, Laurel can be a little bit funky. Uh, we've seen it uh, over the last few years where the track can be a little bit chopped up, but I don't think it's really going to bother a horse like Lightning Larry. I think you basically made the point. This horse yeah, doesn't need to a certain racetrack. He can go from uh, Delaware to Monmouth and just have success, and he's had success. Uh, at Pimlico uh, as well. So I'm really not too worried about that. I'm more interested in how a surface plays from a day-to-day -day standpoint, from a bias standpoint. That's something to watch early in the day. Uh, are speed horses tiring? Uh, and there are some surprising results which make you, make you think that being on the lead or being on the rail isn't good. All right. Well, let's move on to we, the show she was out of order. I'm just going to say, oh, okay. you know, no, it's not. Zach brought John in before I was ready to talk to John. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Well, so we moved the deputy testimony to the to the end. No, I I, I wasn't. Just talk. <laughs> I was really flustered. I don't even know what that was about. All right, seventh race there. 
is uh, it's about John Piazza having gray hair and I don't. Okay, that's okay. what it's about. Okay. All right, well, that's what it's about. Uh, you know why I'm wearing a hat? It's a little, little faded. Actually, you know why I'm wearing a hat? Let me get a new one. Do you know why I'm wearing a hat? Because you have no hair. I have no hair. Yeah, it's embarrassing. All it's right. a TV thing. Dan agrees with me, and I don't like it. Louis, everyone on this show has better hair than you. Not just John. Everyone. <laughs> that is true. Illman always wears a hat too, man. I'm just doing it to try and make him feel better. I was about to say, I've seen Illman's hair. It's fine. <laughs> Lustrous. All right. Uh, the seventh race, which we skipped. I hate uh, all of you, by the way. The, de- the, de- the, de- uh, the deputed testimony. Do you know who he is? I do not. He is the last horse to win. The Federico Tessio in 1983. So it's again. And a, on the dirt. We'll start with Piazza. Was I right about 1983? Do I know that? Yes, you were, yes. Oh, sweet. And, and, he, he, and, and he's also the, the last Maryland Fed um, to date to win the fitness. In general. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. See, I don't know my second son's favorite color, but I know the deputy testimony won the fitness in 1983. There you go. I mean, you know. You know yeah. So anyway, um, so this is a great race. I mean, lots of horses who are very familiar to local uh, race fans, including number three, Nimitz Klaus, who absolutely blew through Laurel Park last winter and spring won four straight stakes races on this track. Three of them are open lengths. And I was quite excited um, 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 to see him in um, in his stakes company, and he finally did so last out in the Salvatore Mile. And even though he came in second, he ran a pretty big race. He broke in post six, going a two to a mile at Monmouth, short run into the first turn, got caught wide, couldn't back up because there's a horse to his direct inside heading up up the back stretch was staying out. So Jebion Toledo really had no choice but to move him into the teeth of the pace. He got caught three wide on the front end. Everyone else who was on that pace, and there were four across the track going to the half mile, all of them backed up. And then it's class hung in there, opened up, up a clear lead and lost only to a horse who got a great trip covered up off that pace battle. So, so even though he came in second that race, certainly no disgrace. This race is going a mile and an eighth longer run into the first turn. Better post. Obviously, he adores this track, and he should get a much more ground-saving trip. And even though it's a very strong field, including horses like B. Better coming off two straight allowance wins, Our Nation on Parade, who won the Maryland Millen Classic last year, and riding with Biden, a Pugs loving butchery trainee, third start off the layoff, who, who ironically lost in Delaware last time out. I think Nimitz class is much better than them. Hopefully, we get a bit better than his seven to five morning line. I um have a cl- I have a question for Dan. Um, Toledo off to a four for forty eight start at Laurel Park, not a number that I'm very used to with his last name uh, at any track in Maryland. Any explanation for that, or is it just a spell where this is just happening? You got to remember, guys and gals go through streaks in this game, and now that Sheldon Russell is back, uh, mm-hmm. Javion is not exactly Brittany's first call rider mm-hmm. anymore. So when Brittany's winning thirty percent and uh, Sheldon's on the shelf, Toledo's picking up the scraps. Toledo's still a great rider uh, and and one of the leading factors in Maryland racing. I don't really put too much stock in jockeys, to be personal, per- perfectly honest with you. So uh, I noticed, but I really didn't really mind it that much. I Got think it. Toledo will show up. Who do you like here? Do you think Nimitz class uh, is the class here? 
Oh, he's the class and he's the horse to beat. I, I'm a little bit concerned that all the racing he's done is finally starting to take its toll. His figures are maybe tailing off just a little bit. He's going to be a big favorite in this race. And again, he's the horse to beat simply because he has tactical speed. I'm not sure he's a slam dunk cinch. I think there are two other horses that I might use at better odds. I think be better for the aforementioned Brittany Russell is very, very dangerous. When Todd Pletcher had this horse uh, early in his career, you could tell he was big. He needed distance. He needed time to fill out. And he's done that in his last few races for Brittany. I think he's ready to jump back up into the stakes ranks. And I don't think the distance will be a problem for him. And then if you really just want to go for kind of a crazy horse, how about one of the two uh, one of the two Jamie Ness trainees, and that'll be Yodel Ihe'u, a horse who's been a sprinter for most of his career, and Jamie's just decided to, sprint, to stretch him out recently, and he got it done with a really nice wide-sweeping uh, move. He's a horse that needs a little bit of pace. He's a question mark at a distance, but he'll be a price for a top barn. So, yeah, Nimitz class is the horse to beat, but if you want to take swings, be better, and Yodel Ihe'u are somewhat interesting. What a great name that is, by the way. I don't disagree. Uh, question for you two. More likely Brittany R Russell winner. Be better or uh, Wonder Where Craig is? Uh, I, I think be better. Uh, although, I, I, you know, listen, nothing would surprise me. I'm not going to fade Wonder Where Craig is as much as John is. I'm against him in the race. I think Lightning Larry's better. I think be better is way more upside. You know, I think be better might be a more likely winner. Are we scooching in on uh, Brittany Russell is entering Linda Rice territory where she just can't miss it? Uh, she can't miss uh, at, at, at Saratoga right now? She's getting uh, just the top stock of horses. I mean, she's getting horses from Baffert out in Southern California. She's getting horses from Pletcher, which means she's getting horses from Mataket. She's getting Rapoli. She's getting Stronach. She's getting uh, already, you know, quality owners like uh, the Elkstone Group for Stuart Grant here in Maryland. I mean, she's got the top owners, the top bloodlines, and she knows where to place her horses. So, you know, it's rolling on. There it is. All right. Right. Uh, I mean, it's no. Um, I and 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 just to add to, um, to Dan's point, it's not. It's not the kind of thing where she's claiming horses and moving them up. I mean, that's very um, true. claim. She 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 just gets the best stock. Like earlier today, um, earlier in the card, she has its Viper in the um, Star Star NASCAR and Elkstone Homebred be better as you mentioned and X Pledger horse. Nobody else on the circuit is getting an ex-pledger horse. It's they're all going to Brittany. And in fact, I would not be surprised if in, in the next year or two, she opened up a bigger string in New York and tried to compete um, with the big boys and girls. All right. All right. Well, at least John Piasek at their off on Twitter. Uh, John, one more push for stuff at Maryland. Go ahead. Once again, we're at MarylandHorse.com slash library for all library-themed stuff. Um, check us out at MarylandThoroughbred.com as I update it on all things related to Maryland Dreads. There's also two Maryland Dread stakes on the undercard, the Miss Disco for Phillies and the Starter Nasper for the Boys, both featuring some of the all-stars of the Maryland circuit. I know all, um, all those names by heart. Not only because I'm crazy. That being said, if you don't follow the circuit, those races are, are definitely worth taking a look at. Whole cut's going to be great. And I also do want to note, um, it is going to be hot on Saturday, as Dan mentioned earlier. So um, take those listed post times with a grain of salt, because it would not surprise me if they really rushed through this card. And I think shortened post times are also pretty much a guarantee. Got it. So you think maybe moving the card up and less time between races is a real possibility here? I don't think they'll move it up. I think they'll put maybe 
25 minutes in between races and send them out of the paddock like two minutes to post, something like that. Sounds good. All right. Well, John, thanks, man. I appreciate you jumping out. We'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Take care. We're going to head out to Del Mar. Okay. And uh, we're going to talk a little, you know, we talked a little bit about before the San Diego Handicap, grade two, $300,000 purse, mile in a, uh, a 16th. Is that what this is? Or, yeah, mile 16th. Uh, this, of course, is it's the entry into the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, I believe, is the winner, is, is what this actually winning you're in the sport. Uh, but I've, we've seen classic horses come out of here in the past. Uh, and the fun, it's going to be one of those horses who's going to have that decision to make, right? So um, it'll be very interesting to kind of see what happens here. Pretty pretty decent field here. Dan, who do you like in this race? Well, on paper, the funding's the horse to beat at a short price, isn't he? I mean, he's the best handicapped horse out in Southern California. I don't really think he has a decision at all. I think he's using this as a prep for the Peak Classic. I think if he wins that race, I think he's going to the Breeders' Cup Classic, looking at the depth or lack thereof of the three-year-old males and older males. Um, he's the horse to beat. I won't be surprised when he wins at even money. I'd like to try to maybe find somebody else in this race at a price. I was looking at over the PPs, and I was surprised to see this horse, American Admiral. Uh, I think it's a Tim Yachtin horse. He sold for, what, $1.3 million yeah. as a yearling. And it's taken him, what, 19 starts to get into a stakes race? Yeah, so obviously right. things haven't exactly gone to plan. But I watched his last race, and I can understand why they spent that much money on him. He is a big, gorgeous-looking horse. And as a yearling, he must have towered over everybody else. Now, he's still big, and he's still gangly, but I think he's starting to mature that last race was pretty good, where he looked the favorite in the eye and he kind of grinded it out. I'm worried that he's the horse that needs a little bit more distance against top horses uh, to be at his best. But I have a feeling we haven't seen his best yet. I think the light bulb's just starting to go on. The funded's the horse to beat. I'm curious on playing that horse, though. I do think Slowdown Andy is the wild card in this race. Yeah. The one horse here. When he runs his race, Dan, he's terrific. I mean, he really is. He's a top horse uh, there, son of Nyquist, of course. Uh, was on the Derby Trail last year, uh, ran in a bunch of those races, Los Al Futurity, uh, the Risen Star, et cetera, won the Sunland Derby on, on that path. So had a good three-year-old year for sure. Uh, more than that, frankly, won a grade two uh, in the awesome, or excuse me, in the Del Mar Derby last year on the freaking turf, right? So, I mean, this is a this is just one of those horses, such a Doug O'Neill thing. Let's go ahead and win the Sunland Derby and then win the Del Mar Derby on the turf. That's such a Doug O'Neill thing to do. Um, I do like his entry here, though. Comes out of that Met Mile that he was never going to win because a horse named Cody's Wish was in it. Um, I understand trying to pick up a piece of that because it's a big old purse in New York. Uh, but essentially, second off the layoff here, they gave him a little bit of time to shift back, get comfortable with Southern California again. I'm looking for Slowdown Andy to be the sort of the the horse that if he fires, this is the one that could cause a lot of trouble uh, for Defunded, especially that mile in the 16th. I think, he, I think Doug thinks he's a miler, maybe a little bit more than that. So I think he thinks that mile in the 16th is about right. Okay. He's, he's one of the more underrated horses in training because you remember he won the low, the uh, low sal futurity at two. You mentioned his successes on turf and dirt at three, ran in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I understand the Met Mile's a big purse. Boy, that's a tough ask off a long layoff to run against those horses and then caught up in a speed duel. I think he gained a lot of fitness from that race. He draws inside. I like him a lot better at two turns than the one turn at Belmont. He might be on to something at a nice price. He's a good horse. He is a good horse. And frankly, that Met Mile field now looking back at it, the fact that Cody's wish just wiped the floor with Zandon and White Abario, who are not believable finish, and I just I didn't I'm with Dan off the layoff. That was a big ask for that horse. All right, we'll move on to the Bing Crosby. 
the grade one Bring Crosby, $400,000 on the uh, on the line here for the six furlong sprint. Uh, who do you like in this one, Mr. Illman? Sensational betting race, I think. Big fields, not like the old four-horse graded stakes races at Saratoga, eh? I mean, we're actually getting some big fields here at Del Mar and good betting races. Listen, Dr. Shivel's a really nice horse. He's sort of like the slow-down Andy of the sprint division. He's so underrated. He's a grade one winner at two. It's a grade one winner at three where he beat older horses. Uh, he took one of the worst beats in Breeders' Cup history when Aloha West ran him down at the wire. Uh, and he's come back from injury, and he ran a really fast race two starts back. And how can you hold the Met against him? where he's up battling on the lead against Cody's wish at a distance that's too far for him. And I still don't like him in this race. I think spirit of McKenna is pretty good. And I love the way these connections have handled him. You could tell because he's so lightly raced that he's had his share of issues and they've kind of just nursed him along and nursed him along and give him time between races. His last two races were a carbon copy. We sat off the speed. He blew right by and he looked good. He's got to cut back to six against uh, top horses, breaking from post two. Maybe he gets shuffled back a little bit. But I like what I've seen from this source so far. I think there's still some upside. I, you know, it's interesting. Joe Bravo rides him. He was on the winner last year in American Theorem, a horse that I really liked last he's year. Who's in this race under Roberto Rispolia this time out. Hasn't been as good since. I, I have him in the second spot, Dan. So you and I definitely see the race the same way. I do think, I think Dr. Shivel's a horse to be here for sure. Um, just Southern California, three for four at Del Mar. He gets, he gets Juan Hernandez here, who I really trust. Um, you know, the other horse here, Dan, that I looked at, um, if I would look at my notes, was the four horse here uh, in the Chosen Braun. And he is absolutely the wild card of this one because he's only been running in state bred races. And so he is a cow bred. He's out of Bron or he's by Bronski, excuse me. And so to me, that's a horse that's won one, two, three, not one, not two, not three. Won like seven races in a row, and I'm not kidding. He's 12 for 16 lifetime. He's but taking a step up in class. One, but this is a massive step up. He's never yeah. run against a horse like Dr. Shivel. He just hasn't. And so he's the one. You get Hector Berrios. Uh, speaking of DRF, why does Hector Berrios get his whole name in the in the form, but guys with last names like Smith don't? You know that's a, that's a that's a really good question. I'll bring that up to uh, my superiors in the uh, the IT department. I have no idea. Dan has that's very, that's very interesting. I, I I wonder how many H Berrios there is out there. There are out there. Maybe they, you know they had to get Hector in there. There it is, maybe. Uh, but interested to see him step up here. If you look at his the times of his races, yeah. he's very fast and can win. But again, it's a class question here with him, and I, I'm interested to see how he does here. Um, if you're looking for a longer price, by the way, that's going to hit the board, I think, off of a, a a little bit of a freshening here for Peter Miller is getter number the six is fifteen to one. I think that's the kind of horse here uh, that can absolutely do that. Well, he lost Delman. Dan just hung up on us. <laughs> I guess he got her number. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. He's like, I'm done. I'm not talking Saratoga. I'm out. That's great. Zach, just patch him back in when he gets here. Um, but it is fun. It, it is fascinating to see. And there's Dan. It is fascinating to see in these kinds of fields, Dan, I was just saying. Yep. How they can have a solid. And, and look, is this a grade one field? Probably not for the Bing Crosby. But as you mentioned, as a betting race, having you don't think so? Do you think it's a great one? You got American Theorem in here. You got uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Sibelius is a nice one. horse, right? Yeah, you got great one. Yeah. This is a great one. 
Okay, I think I think I think it's a grade one level field. Certainly, there are some class horses in here that are going to be big prices. You've got the last two winners of the race. I think you made a good point about get her number. Maybe this horse is just a little bit off form, but isn't he just going to get the right race shape? He's a closer in a race packed with speed, and he has the back class to win this race. Maybe Anarchist is another horse you might want to okay, consider yeah. because when you look at him, all he does is run big. I think he's a graded stakes winner on synth, graded placed on turf, graded placed on dirt. And he ran into the top sprinter in the country last time out, was far from disgraced in the true north. He's kind of lightly raced. I like his running style. He's a stalker. He's a horse at a price you might want to consider as well. I mean, I don't even think Kate Corleone could hit the board. Yeah. No, okay. I mean, you guys. I, I was going to say, I think uh, betting-wise, this is great. Because like I mentioned, Sebelius here could could absolutely hit the board uh, for, for the O'Dwyer Barn, for sure. You know, coming out of, out of Dubai, wins in Dubai. Um, a, a grade three or grade one over there, excuse me, $2 million race at six furlongs comes back, gets that first race back in North America at Churchill in June. And then it's going to ship out and run that race uh, here now for at Del Mar. Yeah. I mean, uh, all right. So it's a tough one. No, it's a good race, man. Bing Crosby typically is. It's, I think it's, it's always one of those. It's a race that I've seen live actually. And I miss kind of going out. Go ahead there. and drink, people. It's yeah. humble brag. There you go. Uh, let's go out to Saratoga or let's go come back to the East Coast of Saratoga. And we're going to start with race eight, which is the grade one Alfred Vanderbilt, uh, six furlong on the dirt, three-year-olds and up, $350,000 purse, another sprint race here. We've already talked about how we, I mean, we've talked on previous editions of the show that the sprints uh, classes for the Breeders' Cup seem to be very loaded. It's going to be loaded this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so who is coming out of this race that's going to join that sprint class? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Dan mentioned earlier, who are those good older dirt horses? Like Elite Power. Going two turns. <laughs> There aren't a lot of them, but the older sprint class, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's just fine. I mean, you got uh, the four and the five here. I mean, I think you're looking at a class where Dr. Shibble, let's say he wins the Bing Crosby and then runs in the fall. That horse could be seven, eight to one in the Breeders' Cup, no question. Oh, yeah. And still and still have a chance to absolutely win at Santa Anita. So that's where, I mean, that's how good the class is right now. Um, this race, though, I, I did, um, I do think it's a two-horse race. I'm interested, Dan, if, if it rains. Because they're talking about some rain possibly at Saratoga on Saturday. Is that when Gunite can jump up and win this race? He is three for five at the distance. He's shown that he has the speed. Comes back uh, from the of the Arabian Peninsula. Usually a play against for me, Dan. When horses are coming back, say, from uh, Saudi Arabia, from Maidan. Uh, but comes back, wins the true north. Or, excuse me, Gunite comes back, wins the Aristides at Churchill Downs. Um, and, and frankly, against Bango, who is an absolute Churchill specialist. And so it was a very impressive back to the United States win. In the Asmussen barn, I also think of Asmussen as a six furlong specialist as a trainer. I hate to, I hate yeah, to box guys up, but man, his when his sprinters are going, dude, they are going. Yeah. And so if we're going to try to beat um, Elite Power here, which I think is a mistake, um, you're going to have to use a horse like Gunite. Uh, Dan, do you think Elite Power rolls here? No, I think Gunite's going to handle him. I think that um, I don't think he needs a wet track to beat this horse. Uh, I think Elite Power is very, very good. His record obviously speaks for itself. I think I've all, I've just been waiting for Gunite, a horse that's done some really good work at Saratoga over the years, to kind of just figure the game out. He's always was a little bit goofy. His race at Churchill Downs was very, very good last time out. I loved how he just he treated that race like a workout. He settled in behind the three horses in front of him, east to the outside, and blew by him in the last quarter mile. I think he's sitting on go for a big race, and this is a kind of race where you know if you're playing a multiple race wager, there are going to be a lot of folks out there. That are going to say, well, I'm just going to use them both. Well, that's not what you do. You don't, you don't use, you, you got to have, you've got to pick one. And I think this is a gambling game. Uh, I would pick Gunite. I'd let Elite Power beat me and knock me out. All right. We're going to move on to that 
large field. By the way, if you want a second or third horse, like someone to pick up the pieces, I think Dean delivers the six here, yes. has a serious shot to pick up the pieces in this field. Uh, they, they're flying in Jamarillo for this one uh, as well, coming out of that uh, the sprint at Gulf Street Park last time out. Ran a big, nice one, 109 and one there uh, in that race over the six furlongs, uh, over a, a little bit of a wet track there before that one stake red uh, in the big drama. So I, I think that's the kind of horse that can pick up the pieces if it does get too fast out front. I do think the Jim Dandy, which is the 10th race, it's mile and an eighth on the dirt at Saratoga. It's the grade two Jim Dandy. It's interesting just because even though Forte did not get to run in the Kentucky Derby, he gets to go against Disarm, who finished fourth in the Derby, Hit Show, who finished fifth in the Derby, and, of course, Angel of Empire, who we talked about, who finished third, plus this new shooter in Saudi Crown, who is uh, being very heavily uh, placed here at 5-2 to two with Frenchie aboard, Brad Cox, the trainer. Uh, Five-horse field might be a little disappointing, but this seems to be very, 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 you know, five-quality horses. You know, it's it's interesting, Dan, because last week when we were looking at the Haskell, I, I, I said on the show, this is exactly what I want in the Haskell. I want the Derby winner. I want the new shooter. I want uh, the the tap of trice that's like we can't figure them out. And then I want a couple of horses that, you know, have come along. And so we got extra Neho because we've been trying to figure out what that horse is. Um, it's a great so, cigar. Is what it is. Also that. Yeah. But it is. It, it was the exact field we wanted for that race. And you get the West Coast shooter who ends up winning, right? I thought the Haskell was perfect. This Jim Dandy is, is a weirdly perfect five-horse field. Yeah. yeah it really weird. is. Really you can but, make a case for all of them, can't you? I mean, they all can win this race. You can make a case that Angel of Empire, if he runs back to his Kentucky Derby, can just steamroll this field in the stretch. Forte, well, you know, he can obviously win this race. Disarm is just a horse that's come to his own in his last two. He's run some extremely fast races and is tactical enough to work out a trip. Um, I, I think you can make a case for all of them in this race. The new shooter in here is sort of the, the horse that's, that's giving me headaches. Because I just think he's as loose on the lead as he wants to be. I mean, just look yep. at the fractions from that last race, a one-turn uh, mile in the Dwyer. They went 22 and change for the opening quarter. Then he threw in another 22-second second quarter. So he's real fast. He doesn't have to do that to make a clear lead in here. Distance, that's the big question mark. Experience, he's given up a lot to these horses. But sometimes pace makes the race. And if this horse gets loose and the other jockeys, you know, the Fortes and the Angel of Empires, and they start watching each other, when's that one going to move? When's that one going to move? Maybe this horse on the lead sort of scoots away. So I would need more than the, the odds on the morning line. But if he drifts, I would be very curious to take him uh, at a price as a pace play. The interesting thing about Brad Cox's choice of jockey here is he had Javier Castellano on him in the Dwyer, and he didn't run poorly, right? He's there. He loses to Fort Bragg, who's a Baffert trained horse who's probably going to be a miler forever, right? And so he loses yeah. to Fort Bragg by a nose. He takes Javier Castellano off the horse and puts Florent Drew back on him. The two of them the best when it's a horse that is is on the lead. That is what Florent Giroud does the best. So I think Dan's totally right here. I think they just assume this is a get out front, stay out front kind of race for them. If he gets the two turns, great. And very few very few people go sprint around as well as Brad Cox. And I know we're not going technically sprint around here, but we are going two turns for the first time. And I do think he can absolutely do it. Um, it's interesting. He's, he's is sire always dreaming. We haven't seen a ton of him at this at this kind of level, Dan. But this is a it's a real chance for that uh, for the old CHC folks. Nah, it's a great opportunity. They haven't been very good just yet. The always dreamings. Obviously, he won the Derby. You would think it would be distance. I'm not even sure that's 
panned out yet for the always dreamings. If you look at the pedigree on this horse, we got to go back a couple of generations. There's some distance, but maybe he's simply too fast for his own good. I just think they're looking at this race and saying, hey, what do we have to lose? If he could win this race or run really well, we go to the Travers. And if the distance is too far, we cut him back for the H. Allen Jerkins. And he's a prime contender in either one if he runs well in the Jim Dandy. Uh, again, you have to let Price be your guy. I think 5-2 to two is just too light on a horse considering his lack of experience, his lack of two-turn experience, and the quality of competition he's facing. But if he drips, again, he gets loose. Saratoga's the graveyard of favorites. Maybe he steals it. Biggest surprise to win, would it be Hitcho? I think to me, it would be uh, the biggest surprise. And you know, how surprising would it really be? Because the horse looked so good taking the New York trail to the Derby. And I just think he was ridden incorrectly in his last two, in, in his last two races. The Derby, I think the rail post got to Manny Franco's head. And he rushed that horse out of there. And he, that pace was very, very fast. And he, he really wasn't embarrassed in that race. And last time on the Belmont, they made a conservative effort, go out there after, push the Preakness winner, National Treasure, and they went pretty fast. So I think they're going to settle him this time and try to make one run. And he has that grinding style that'll work at a distance. Yeah, I think he's the most surprising for me, but I wouldn't be that surprised. That's how good this race is. Yeah, if he runs back the withers, he can win this race. I agree. I think, you know, making the change, at least I is, uh, will probably help us. Yeah, no, I think that's very intentional as well. Yeah. yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. I, look, I, it, it's got to be the first three-year-old race where we, you know, a, a field this short where we have four horses with 100 buyers. I mean, that it's very unusual this year for some reason. And his show has a 99. So it's not like we're talking a bunch of bums. So, um, no, it, it's an interesting race. I, I don't know in this late sequence, Dan. Um, and I think actually – their their grand slam bet which they have actually ends in race 11. by the way if laurel park people are still watching i need to talk to you uh -oh. i thought we thought we had done this the last what's race wrong with the last race wait a minute this last race is super nice little turf sprint you got inside stunt he's got some problems with his tootsies but the horse has got a lot of early speed he's going right to the top in that race all right so who wins the last race of laurel i like inside stunt Okay, you're gonna you're gonna look at the trainer with the no stats and say, "How can I use them?" I'm saying that's how you use them because guys like you are gonna throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree with Dan. Yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that's right. Cloudy boys winning that race, just so everybody knows. He's uh, he's down. <laughs> Last time was the time for Cloudy Boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Dan, thanks again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, you know, I'm sure it won't be too long before we see you again. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just end the show. Yeah, all right. Because I have a question for Dale Min Dan Ellen that I can't do on air. How's that? All right, no music or anything. We're going to end it. No, I need music. All right, we'll see you next music. time. Music! This is the Horse Racing Happy Hour. <laughs>